Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. Remember to continue reaching out to your loved ones. Stay connected with one another, especially with your cell family. The Bible gives us a pattern to look out for one another and speak His word and His strength will carry us through. And we know that together we will get through this season. Well, good morning. Uh, we are so, so blessed in this season that we find ourselves in. Uh, I woke up the other morning and God was speaking to me. And uh, out of that is what I want to bring uh, this message to you. I call it the treasures of darkness. So turn with me in Isaiah, the 45th chapter, verses 1 through 3, where it reads, Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand, to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze, cut through their iron bars, and I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places, in order that you may know that it is I, the Lord God, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. Now, we understand that this text is written about King Cyrus, and amazingly, this is a prophecy concerning King Cyrus, who would only come to pass and come on the scene about 150 to 200 years later after these words right here in Isaiah were uttered. And the prophet Daniel would use these verses to show King Cyrus, and King Cyrus would then be directed to fulfill another prophecy, prophecies given by Jeremiah the prophet, that allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and to build the temple and the city. And it's done exactly as was prophesied. See, Jeremiah prophesied that there would be a 70-year captivity, and Isaiah prophesied that there would be a king named Cyrus. So this is true, truly one of the great historical events of the Bible. But more importantly, I believe that this text can be applied to all of God's anointed people, you and I. Certainly everything that was said here concerning Cyrus equally applies to Jesus. But I believe that the text is equal to being applied to all of God's anointed. Of course, we know that God's anointed is Jesus. But you and I are anointed in Christ. And so the revelation that we have as believers is that as we are hidden in Christ, and, and this is a mystery of the church, and it's really our portion, because being born again allows us to enter into this same anointing. So in Christ, we're anointed. We're consecrated. We're set apart. As he did with Cyrus, God holds the hands of his anointed ones. He calls us uh, to, to ask him for the nations. And he tells us to make disciples of all nations. You see, God is still opening doors. And he's still making sure that gates are not shut. God is making the crooked places straight. Do you have any crooked places, crooked places in your life? See, I don't know. I'm hearing many reports from believers during this time of isolation, this time of lockdown, that many are having lots of time to take a real hard look at themselves. And they're having to deal with issues. They're finding weaknesses, iniquities, and things that have been kind of left unchecked for years because of whatever, being too busy, uh, 
uh, just distracted. But God's given us this time, and uh, this is a great time to take a look at ourselves. The Bible says here that God breaks into pieces the gates of iron and brass. Didn't Jesus promise that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church? See, no gate can stop you and I in Christ. So, I was awakened last Sunday morning with this passage of Scripture rolling around in my spirit and in my mind. The treasures of darkness. Now, I was familiar with the verse, but I kept asking what it meant. Especially in this season that we're in right now. What is it that God wants to give us? And what are the benefits that he wants us to obtain? See, I believe that, the, that God has a message for someone, maybe for you, specifically today. Your darkness has a treasure hidden in it. But I also believe God has a message for everyone. That in this time of darkness, with the COVID-19 panic, he wants you to seek him in the darkness, in this dark time, and find the treasure he has for you. See, I believe that God desires for us all to seek and find the treasures that he has hidden for us. God wants to open your eyes to things that would otherwise remain unseen so that you can claim things that are otherwise unclaimed. So I hear someone saying, oh, that's great. God wants to enrich my life. Where do I find these treasures of darkness and these riches hidden in secret places? Well, I'll tell you what, the answer is right there. Right there in front of our eyes. The treasures of darkness are stored in all places, in all, in all places, darkness. And the wealth of secret places are hidden in of all locations, in secret, secret places. Well, what that means is that these treasures are all around us. And the good news is that God is not hiding these treasures from us, but he is hiding them for us. So let, let, let me begin by trying to describe the frustration of darkness. Uh, once we can understand the issues around darkness, then I think we can move to the treasures of darkness, what the treasures are, what the benefits of these treasures are, and what they're for. But there are many frustrations centered around darkness. First of all, most people, when they take a first glance at this scripture, they think of darkness as being evil, the treasures of darkness. I mean, it almost sounds like a Stephen King novel, you know, the treasures of darkness. Why would, give us, why would God give us something from the darkness? After all, isn't he light? Well, the word treasure has the idea of a, a storehouse or treasures that are laid up and not lost. Uh, not only physical wealth, as it was for Cyrus, but also the idea of the treasure of knowledge. You see, the knowledge of God's power, the knowledge of his love, uh, these are important things for you and I. The word darkness portrays the idea of being obscured or being hidden. I believe that some of this idea of treasure uh, are some of the deep mysteries that God has stored away in his word for you and I. It, it, it's not hidden any more than knowledge is hidden in a library. But in order to retrieve it, you might need to go look for it. I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to have to go, and we have to go through catalog cards. I don't know if you remember index cards. And uh, you, you'd have to study really hard. This is back when we had to do real research. And 
the wealth of knowledge was in that uh, library. But the, the fact then, uh, if you didn't dig for it, if you didn't go through and find the card, then go find the books and dig for it, you'd never find it. Well, there are some hidden treasures of knowledge that can only be obtained from concealed or protected places. In other words, some of this knowledge is not going to be easy to get. Even in the world, we have two kinds of knowledge. There's public records, there's public knowledge that anybody can get a hold of. It's common access. And then there's classified information. Classified information, you need to have a certain amount of security clearance to obtain it. Uh, to get that security clearance, you may need to uh, prove that you need those documents or you need that information. You may have to also prove that you have the integrity to be entrusted with that kind of knowledge. You see, I, I think that to have certain kinds of knowledge, you have to generally have earned that kind of trust. So here's what I'm saying. There's a certain knowledge of God that is open to everybody. Like, we all get to know his love, his plan of salvation, uh, many of the, just the truths of the Bible. But there is also a knowledge which is hidden. Hidden riches of secret places. To obtain this knowledge requires the cleansing work of, of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can access it. There, there are many believers that are really just content with laid up treasure. But there are a few that are willing to really trust God and earn the trust of God to seek his heart and be given the security clearance into the hidden riches of the secret place. So let's look at a few other attributes of darkness because I really want you to enter into what God has for you. Uh, darkness is a time of moving slower, uh, feeling awkward, feeling unsure. It's kind of like when you walk at night through your house with the lights off. I've had many stubbed toes to confirm the fact that this is not the time to move with alacrity. Darkness is a time of shadows. It's a time of not seeing clearly. When I was doing my flight training as a pilot, uh, you know, we had to do a number of hours in what they call under the hood, which simply means that you were given a visor that would not allow us to see the horizon or any reference point that was outside of our aircraft. And uh, we had to do all of our flying in what they, they say is in the blind. Except for the instrument panel, it's right in front of you. All you could see was your instruments. Uh, I, I was, in, in my day as a pilot, I was called a, a fair weather pilot. I never did get my instrument rating, which simply means that I, if it was cloudy or if there was bad weather, I was grounded. I had to see the, the horizon. I had to see outside that plane in order to fly to keep my wings straight. Uh, I had to see where I was going if I was going to fly. You see, I couldn't fly in the dark or I couldn't fly in the darkness of a storm. And there are many Christians that are like this. They're only fair-weather believers. They can only have confidence in God if they can see where things are going. And God is asking his children, you and I, to begin to fly by instruments. And that simply means this, that we're going to live trusting his word. You see, when we're unable to see where we are actually going, or when we haven't seen his promise for our lives or a situation that we're believing for fulfilled with our sight, this is the time that we have to trust our instruments or we have to trust his word to us. We have to have faith in our instruments. We have to believe that they won't lie, that they won't let us down, they won't lead us astray. Hebrews 11.1 says it this way, 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. See, we must be trusting our memory of things, of where things are, how they were, or they should be. We have to begin to navigate by things other than our eyes. And that's usually really uncomfortable for us. Frightening sounds. Think of the different way sounds impact you uh, in the daytime and at the nighttime. Uh, if, if your dog barks during the day, we assume that it's maybe a bird or some small animal in the garden, and you know we're not going to worry about it. But when the dog barks at night, what do you think of? Yeah, burglars. Why? Well, because night and darkness cause fears to manifest. In our text this morning, God said that He would give us, or He would He would give His anointed the treasures of darkness. I believe God wants us to look at this darkness differently. And I think in this time of uncertainty with this COVID-19 coronavirus and the worldly unrest, we have to consider what is it that God wants us to learn. See, we agree that there are fears and there's awkwardness in this season uh, of not being able to see. There's, there, but there are also treasures available. So let's talk about some of these treasures. What are the treasures of darkness? Well, notice the text says this. First of all, that he has treasures. It's plural. It's not a treasure. It's treasures. And, you know, I want to take a little liberty this morning, and I want to speak about some of the treasures that some of us may have taken for granted. I think the first treasure I want to speak about is the treasure of the presence of God. You know, I think of 1 Kings uh, chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, and the, and the Bible says here, it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, and he said, The Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. You know, I remember reading this uh, about the cloud filling the temple, and, and somehow I always thought that it was like a super bright cloud, the Shekinah glory descending on the temple. But that is not the cloud that God dwells in. Even though in him is light and no darkness, I think he wraps himself in dark clouds to remind us that there's always a mystery about God. In Exodus Again, in Exodus 20 or 21, it says, And the people stood far off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. So who's in the thick darkness? You see, there's something about darkness that is God's dwelling place. Now, I'm not saying that God is the author of darkness in this world, but I am saying God is not afraid of the darkness that is in this world. And the truth is, he is dwelling in darkness just as comfortably as he does in the light. For you and I, the truth is that in times of darkness we in, that, that we encounter, sometimes we may come away with some of the greatest moments of intimacy we ever know in our life on earth. Some of my greatest trials, some of my deepest times of loss, and, and even seeming separation from God and my deepest darkness have often produced some of the deepest works of my relationship with God in my life. 
The second treasure I want to speak about is the treasure of new revelation. We just read a minute ago about how Moses, when he was drawing near to the thick darkness where God was, uh, and, and we found out what happened there. God gave him the revelation, a new revelation, the revelation of the Ten Commandments, and, and, and many other things. The design for everything to do with the tabernacle. Much of what we read in the first five books of the Bible, the, the Pentateuch, uh, the, the law, Moses was given that in the presence of God. I think that you will find that in this season of darkness, uh, could become a season in which you get some of the greatest revelations from God that you will ever have, if you'll seek him. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. Think about this passage of scripture from Abraham. In Genesis 15 and verse 12, it says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. See, the first thing I want you to notice from this text is, uh, is also the first thing we notice about a season of darkness. That it is usually extremely uncomfortable. A deep horror. Did you notice the phrase, a horror of darkness? The New International Version said it this way, a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Uh, This text reminds me of a similar text in the book of Exodus. In Exodus 10, verse 21, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be A darkness that may be felt. So here we see Moses is stretching out his hand that there might be a darkness over the land of Egypt that could be felt. And here in the story of Abraham, I think that's what he was experiencing. Abraham is about to have an incredible revelation about the future of his posterity. The length of time that they would stay in Egypt as slaves. And afterward they would come out rewarded and they'd finally take possession of the promised land. He's getting a prophecy. But it's coming in a time of great darkness. If you study that passage, you can find out God cut a covenant with him. I don't know if you've ever been to a jewelry store, but uh, if you go to a jewelry store, when the jeweler comes time to show you a piece of fine jewelry, they usually will take out a black felt piece of cloth or something, and they'll display their piece on a black background to offset their craftsmanship in stark relief to the surroundings. In that way, nothing distracts your eye from the jewels. In the same way, in a season of, God, of darkness, I think God often speaks and gives revelation so that his word can more clearly be seen or heard and appreciated. When I speak of revelation, what I mean by that is that God takes truths already found in his word and he begins to make them especially real to us. Uh, we call it a rhema word sometimes. All of a sudden we have a aha moment about how some of God's wonderful truths uh, apply to us. And maybe they become more firmly pressed into our understanding. Uh, when, when, when I grew up, uh, we, we used to call this the rhema understanding or the word that is inspired, that brings revelation to us or brings revelation to our situation directly, personally and meaningfully. But then, of course, the, the, the third treasure of darkness is what I call secret deliverances, victories. You know, Exodus 14, verse 21, it says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, 
And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry and the waters were divided. See, the real miracle God did was not in the daytime, but he did it at night. In the shadows of the night, when men slept, God was secretly working on his deliverance plan. They couldn't see what he was doing. The Bible gives us God's night vision goggles. He allows us to see what's going on through the word. He unveils it to us. Let me say this. Just because you can't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't moving. In fact, it's quite the opposite. His wind is blowing on your impossible situation. Come morning, you will see and you'll praise him for what he did in your night season. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7 says this, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God worked the whole night for the Israelites. Planning a plan to destroy the Egyptians. In fact, there wasn't one moment that he wasn't working on their behalf. And there are hidden things that God is doing in your life that he ordained even before he brought the world forth. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you all know this, great scripture. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. You know, I often think of the story concerning uh, my grandmother. And uh, when I was a little boy, we'd go to her house and I'll never forget, she'd always help us cook. And one of my favorite things to do was to cook a special cake that she would make. And I couldn't help myself because she'd have all the ingredients out on the counter and they'd all be measured already. But I'd put my little finger in and I'd taste each one of them. Every single one of those ingredients was bitter alone or overpowering alone. The vanilla, just cut your little tongue. The flour, there's no taste to flour, it's terrible. Baking soda, baking powder, salt, all these different ingredients. Even the sugar was just raw sugar, didn't do it. But you know, when you take all those bitter and stark ingredients, those, for the sake of this illustration, those things that could represent things that are causing darkness in our lives. Brokenness. Bitterness. Things that we don't see, we don't understand, or they're not good alone. The Bible says that God, just like my grandmother, she would work those things together. She would make those things come together. And she'd work them and put them in a cake pan. And they put that cake pan in an oven. Boy, let me tell you something. What came out of that oven was amazing. It worked for my good. Tasted really good. And don't you know that God is doing the same thing for you? God has something cooking for you that will make you sing and dance. Not simply a deliverance from your enemy. 
but a triumphing over them. Now, the last treasure I want to speak of is, I think, the most important. The souls of lost men and women. What does hell treasure the most? Lost souls. This passage of Scripture says, I will shatter through the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. Though men and women are encased in thick darkness, and it's the darkness that only hell can create, God is in the business. He's still in the business of setting them free. Dark places are where lost men and women dwell. And often God sends you and me. He sends us into their darkness to minister to them. Now, I don't mean that we participate in their sins, but we we find ourselves in dark situations so that we can minister to lost people who are in those dark situations. For example, where some of you work, where the corruption and the bribery is institutionalized, or for some of you where the politics is wicked, or others who are faced with the uncertainty of the emergency room with this COVID-19 and corona cases. These are dark places. And this is where, more than ever, we need to have knowledge and understanding and wisdom from on high. This is where we need to have the revelation of how to bring light into these dark places. Of course, our goal is to help people out of eternal darkness. The kingdom of darkness is a trap. But Jesus says we lead people from the kingdom of darkness and lead them into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light and life and liberty. Finally, now that we see what God does in a season of darkness, how can we use this truth to benefit us? How can we use it to benefit the people around us? Well, here's the thought that came to me. In Genesis 28, verse 16, it says, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. When we recognize that God is working in a season of darkness, it wakes us from a nightmare. And God's trying to wake you and I. He's trying to wake people up to the truth of what is happening in the world. There are many believers that are asleep right now. They're asleep to the evil that's in the world, to the depth of the deception, and to the prevalence towards global control of mankind. God never meant for a man or a government to control another human being. He alone holds that right in our lives. Unfortunately, many would rather have someone else be responsible than have to wake up and take responsibility for themselves. And the situation that they're in, you know, many of you don't want to be in your situation, but you don't want to take responsibility for it either. You see, it takes real maturity to take responsibility in our lives. But as the light begins to break forth, I've got good news. There are many believers who in this year and in this season are waking up. And they're taking their place on the watchtowers. And they're beginning to find their voices. And they're beginning to take, and, 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 and they're beginning to get the courage to speak out against injustice, darkness, tyranny, misgovernance, malpractice, corruption, and greed. In fact, they're like Jacob. Waking up and finding God is in this place. And he didn't realize it. For many of you, what you thought was a nightmare 
is now becoming the place where God dwells with man. He is there because, first of all, in darkness he dwells. But secondly, because you're representing him in the place that he's placed you. Where you are has become Bethel, the house of God. See, Jacob woke up from his sleep. His daytime nightmare, running away from Esau, the fact that he was fleeing for his life, that night when he laid his head on a stone, he thought it would be spent facing demons and thoughts of his brother's anger mixed with memories of his own wicked deception and whatever else would vex his soul. Yet, during the whole time, that whole night, and his whole life, to be honest with you, he was guarded by God's best angelic presence. Just because he was surrounded doesn't mean he was defeated. When he felt the most alone was when he actually was the least alone. And the Bible says he came to his senses. His reason returned to him. So is a night or season being blinded to God's work in your life. God said he would never leave you nor forsake you. You know, no matter how dark the night gets, no matter how much darkness or obscurity is around, he is the light in the darkness. He is the silver lining in every storm. No matter how much darkness you're facing today, he is not moved by the darkness. The second thing I want you to see about this story is that the season of darkness provides us with a very unexpected opportunity. A time in the darkness for us right now, this darkness of COVID, staying at home, is for us to use as a place of rest and trust. Don't waste this time. Although the times are dark and the world has been thrown into chaos, it's a time for those of us in Christ to use this time to calm our fears, steady our nerves, bolster our strength, and rally our courage. We trade peace for anxiety, sleep for tossing and turning, and peace for alarm. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said this about Jacob. He said, there came a surely into Jacob's vocabulary. Surely God is in this place, and I didn't know it. See, this became his bedrock of confidence. It became his trustworthy foothold for him on a very slippery slope. And finally, it causes us to rejoice over that which we had been weeping over. You have turned my mourning into dancing for me. I knew it not. I didn't know that God was here. I think we're going to be able to say what Jacob did. When God, by his grace, causes you and I to wake from our sleep, we go from weeping to rejoicing because we find out what the night had blinded us to. We have come to understand. And even in the night season, that God had hidden treasures for us. For many of you, you've been in a season of darkness that can be felt. As I close in prayer, I want to remind you what Jesus said. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And my prayer will be like that of Jacob. That, like Jacob, God will open your eyes to his ever-present help. And he'll open your eyes to treasures that he has for you. 
even in a season of darkness. Father, I thank you that we are not afraid of darkness. We're not afraid of the dark. I thank you that you lead your people in glorious triumph over our enemies. Father, you're leading us to find you, to if we'll seek you. Father, you said that we could be led through storms, through the wilderness. These are all dark places. You're teaching us to be led. You're teaching us and showing us secret mysteries, secret things, treasures that you've hidden for us. Father, my prayer is that this message would cause a hunger to arise in your people, a hunger to arise in all of our hearts, that in this time that you've given us, that the world would say is a dark time. May this be our time of great light. May you illuminate our hearts, our minds, our families, our relationships, that in the bright light of Jesus Christ, all darkness would be dispelled and we would find the treasures that you've hidden for us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms, Facebook and WhatsApp. And tune in to ZFM radio station later today at 7.15pm for devotions with Pastor Tom. And in case you missed the devotions, you can listen to the audio podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you.